if you've been with us for the past few weeks, you know that we're going through um, the pastoral epistles or letters, um, and we're in 1 Timothy at the moment, and we've got to, up to chapter 4. Uh, if you've got a Bible with yourself, uh, if you turn to chapter 4 of uh, 1 Timothy, uh, we'll be going through the verses 6 to 11. So it's 1 Timothy 4, 6 to 11. If you haven't got a Bible, don't worry. Uh, verses will be projected on the screen, and I'll be reading from them as well. So, let's read 1 Timothy 4, 6 to 11. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irrelevant silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Amen. So these are the words that the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. You probably know the relationship between the two of them, uh, kind of father and son. Uh, teacher and disciple. So um, Paul has spent quite a lot of time uh, with Timothy, raising him up um, and then commissioning him into the leadership of the church in Ephesus. And then he's writing to him here. Um, There are quite a lot of debates about the reason that he's writing to Timothy. I can imagine um, probably he was dictating to someone to write for him or he was just writing a letter to Timothy and then somebody walking past by and said, you spent ages with this guy. Come on, you're telling him the same things. Uh, I mean, did you not, was not a few years enough? You still have to write to this poor guy. Um, and Paul had all the reasons, really, to do that. I've got uh, a few points uh, today. Uh, I'll let you work them out, but we'll stick to three or so, because that's the tradition. Uh, <laughs> but today, uh, I think one of the main reasons that, um, as I was reading this bit, um, that Paul probably thought that he ought to write to Timothy was to remind him to go back to the basics. Um, we heard quite a lot about it this morning. We were singing quite a lot of songs, declaring truth. But it's the same thing, isn't it? It's the same thing as 2,000 years ago. It's the same thing that we were singing last week, maybe in a different song with a different tune. But it's the same thing. It's back to the basics. And very often with our Christian life, we start really well because we come to realize this wonderful truth of God And then later on down the line, we just drift away. It's not as good as it used to be. It's not the same thing. It's just, it's because we've forgotten the basics. And basics are important. So Paul is saying to Timothy here, look, back to the basics. Let me talk to you about some of the things I already talked to you about. And Timothy is, of course, receiving it really well. Back to the basics. Um, If you're a Christian, you definitely know what the basics are. But in case you're not a Christian here, and we'd love you to know what the basics of our belief are. Um, it's, you can say it in a few phrases, or you can come and talk to us at the end if you really want to know what it is that we really believe in. But let me tell you this, that if you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came on this earth, he walked on this earth, he lived just like you and I, if you believe that he lived a sinless life, unlike you and I, that's the difference, if you believe that he was perfect in every way, just like the Bible says. And if you believe that he was crucified, but it wasn't his own fault, 
He died a horrified death. He died. He actually died. And then he was buried. And on the third day, he rose again from the grave. <laughs> he walked on the earth again for a few days with his disciples. And then he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day he will come back. And he hasn't left us as orphans, as Mavish said, as she was praying this morning. When he left, he said, I will give you my spirit. The spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit. And if you believe in this, and if you've received him in your life, then you've got the basics of Christianity. You've got the basics as the Bible tells us. This is the life of a Christian. This is what we mean by the basics. Paul is writing to Timothy saying, some people have drifted, drifted away from the basics. Because you know, some of the basics are really offensive to some people. Um, when we first came to this country, I realized that some of the things in the Bible are offensive to some people even in a liberal culture. Um, not necessarily religious people who have another faith. They, were, they found it very offensive. However, that doesn't mean we're not going to preach it. We're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ as he has commanded us. So just like a coach that sometimes goes back and says, look, you've got this bit wrong, you've got this bit great, let's go back to the basics, let's start from step one, let's start from the scratch, let's get the basics and the foundations right. Paul is doing that. Um, if he was in Teesside, he'd probably say, all right, Tim, Abison, get this right. <laughs> Sorry to guys from London if that didn't make sense to you. <laughs> it didn't to me uh, the first few weeks I was here, but then... <laughs> So that was the sort of relationship. It's amazing. Paul is um, telling Timothy to be careful, to guard things, to be careful of, of heresies, be careful of some of the silly myths, some of the things that people say, because it got into the church as well. Some of the people, even at church, who had influence over people, were coming in with different stories of this and that, um, and they were coming in, not with the truth of Jesus Christ, but with something else that was in their own heart. So they came in and probably said, oh, if you suffer enough, you might, you might go to heaven. Yeah, the Jesus thing, yeah, he's a great guy, yeah, we've heard about him, yeah. Felt really sorry for him, he, went, yeah, he died on the cross, felt really sorry for his family. But you know what, there's another way. If you suffer in your life, if you give everything away, if you put everything aside, and then if you just live a life, you might you might be able to go to heaven in eternity. Or, some of the things, you can just live your life the way you want to, because Jesus died for you. Well, if you paid for your sins, just live however you want to. It doesn't really matter. And Paul is commanding Timothy. He's giving him this task to be careful, to teach the Word of God the way that God wants him to do it. What are some of the silly things going on at church um, in our days? Some of the things that are probably particular to our culture uh, as well. There are quite a lot of things you can think about. There's quite a lot, as I was thinking about it, there's quite a lot go, going on at church worldwide, the church with capital C, um, that is coming in from the outside and it's not based on the word of God. Now, we've got to be careful. Some false teachers had influence in the church. Paul is telling Timothy what to do with them. You know, this probably story that you've heard, uh, I think in the medieval churches, um, some of the church leaders, instead of preaching the word of God, instead of declaring the truth of Jesus Christ to the world around them, some of them were concerned, how many angels can sit on a needle's head? This is what they were concerned about. 
let's sit down, let's... I can imagine in their eldership team, they're probably getting together. They probably had a lamb in the middle as well, a cooked one with some rice and some bread and quite a lot of other things. And as they were eating, oh, let's discuss some of the foundational theological stuff. What do you think about this needle? Well, it's a needle. How many angels will you be able to fit in there? Oh, let's get to the Bible. Let's see what the Bible says about it. So this is what they were concerned about. The Bible does talk about the angels, but is it really important for us to know how many of them? And Not really. So this is back to the basics. We've got to be shaped by the gospel. Because if the gospel shapes our lives, then our lifestyle is in a way where it brings and gives glory to God. We are transformed. Then we no longer, the people who left Egypt and were free, well, maybe not transformed. You see, the first Hebrews, God brought them out of slavery. Lots of miracles on the way out of slavery. They get to this desert, the first thing they see, oh, there's no food. Where's our food? There's no water. Where's water? Oh, this food is just bread. We need some meat as well. They were free from slavery, in fact, physical slavery, but were they really transformed in their hearts? If they were transformed in their hearts, they would have acted differently. And some of us can be the same. We receive the presence of God in our lives. We become free in Jesus. But are we really, really transformed in our lives? Does our lifestyle reflect the lifestyle of Jesus? Now, I'm not saying we've got to be perfect, because we can never be in this life. But our task is to become more like him. So does our lifestyle reflect that? The choices that we make in our lives, does that reflect the choices that Jesus would have made? Paul is saying, train yourself in this. Training is important. Now, I'm the last person to talk about physical training because, as you know, I've got a gym membership. Um, Of course, your definition of gym is different from mine because, I mean, as long as I go into the building that has the gym, I've gone to the gym. Uh, Now, you call it jacuzzi. I don't know what the difference is. It's still the same thing. Gym is gym. Um, So, but... I'm probably not as qualified as some of you to talk about physical training. Uh, talk, talk to me about jacuzzi and I'll tell you everything about it. Uh, but Paul is uh, commanding Timothy to have training and he says physical training is of some value. So it is good to have some physical training, but godliness is of every value. So physical training is not bad, but as, if it becomes your first priority in life, then you've got it wrong, just like everything else. But train yourself in the Word of God. The word comes from gymnazo in Greek, um, where we get the word uh, gymnastics in English. Um, You've borrowed quite a lot of words from quite a lot of languages. uh, uh, It's interesting, as I was looking it up in the New Testament uh, Greek, um, in the dictionary, one of the definitions was to train, and the second definition was to train naked. Now, we're going to forget about that bit, because uh, um, it probably was going on at some point in, in that culture. They were training that way, but we're going to focus on the training of God. <laughs> Be trained in faith and good doctrine. Good doctrine is really important, and I'm glad that as... Um, 
a movement, uh, we're part of a wider family that was based on true doctrine and the Spirit of God. So if you focus on one and forget about the other, you'll get it wrong. But it's both Word and the Spirit. So we've got very good theological foundations. Um, in fact, we had John Hosea last week here. Um, you, some of you were probably here. Uh, and on Saturday, he did a fantastic job. I think it was amazing. So we've got guys like him who are all up for God, who've given their lives to the training in the Word of God. And with the leadership of the Spirit, they come and make it accessible to everyone. Now, we've got so many people like that. I've actually got quite a lot of friends who are great examples to me. The times that they've said no to great things in life, which is not necessarily bad, sometimes good promotions, sometimes great jobs, sometimes greater things, which are not necessarily bad, but they've said no to it for the sake of the gospel because they knew that's not what God had for them, at least at that time. So people who've said no to great jobs, I can think of a few now, because they wanted to give their time to God. Because this is what they felt they're called to. Now, it's interesting. Paul is saying to Timothy, be careful. Some people come and they bring false doctrine into the church. Be careful. Some of them will come and they want to lead your people astray. And then, using this part of the scripture, people will come and bring doctrine that is not necessarily true. So, for instance, in this bit, it says, because we have our hope set on the living God, so this is what Paul is saying, who is the saviour of all people, especially of those who believe. Now, some people come and use this and say, everybody will be saved at the end. They call it universalism. Um, you know, sometimes, in, especially in theology as well, you get some words like universalism um, or some other big words, and it's like you go into a Italian restaurant, you get the menu, and it's got a very, very, very long name, and you think, oh, this must be it. You order it, and it's just pasta with a bit of sauce. <laughs> it's, it's just like sometimes, what was that name for then? Just call it pasta with a bit of sauce. Um, in theology, you might get long words, and they're there for a reason, but universalism, basically, in a few words, it just means that when we die, when it's all finished, everybody at some point will go to heaven. Now, is this what the Bible says? No. But some people use this part of the scripture to say, oh no, Paul said everybody. He died for everyone. And therefore, everyone, regardless of their faith, regardless of what they've done, regardless of who they are, they will be saved. Now, I wish it was true, but it's not, because it's not what the Bible says. And that means that quite a lot of the people who are very close to my heart, who are very uh, loved in my life, unless they make a change in their lives and unless they come before Jesus and confess that he is Lord, they're not going to get to see him. They're not going to go to heaven. Now, it's really easy for me to say, yeah, let me become a universalist. Let me go to an Italian restaurant and keep ordering that plain pasta with a long name. But that's not what the Bible calls us to do. Paul is calling us here to be very careful. Sometimes some of the teachings, they're very appealing, but are they based in the Bible? This is the question. And if we're transformed, then we're no longer interested in the teaching that we want, but rather what the Bible says. Because we are transformed by the Spirit of God. We are transformed, and therefore, once we transform, we can be released into things. We're just receiving the freedom from God and living our old lifestyle. It's very rare to be released into what He has given you. Because 
you've got giftings, you've, you've still got chains attached. The Israelites, they came out of slavery. They were in the desert. What happened? They didn't see the promised land. I'm not sure if they were really transformed. Come on. You were thinking, if I'd seen that sort of miracles, I'd definitely be in there. I'd definitely just go for it. God said, you're not going to get to see it. You're not transformed in your hearts. You're still interested in what you have and what you want. You're not interested in what I have for you, which is greater. What happens? The next generation see that and they learn from it. And they'll say, right, Joshua, we'll follow you. Joshua says, God said, go around the city seven times. We'll do it. Yeah, let's do it. Although it doesn't make sense, we need guns and big tanks and everything else to get the city. Don't worry, we'll do it. Don't want to be like our fathers. We'll come after you. You want to go around? Yeah, get the worship team. Go around the city. Yeah, we'll come singing before you. We'll come singing. We'll just dance around it seven times. Yeah, let's make it 77. Because they knew what it was like to be living in the desert. They knew what it was like to be the people of God, but not actually receive everything that he had for you. And my worry is, Jubilee, that some of us here might be the same. Some of us might be the people of God. Some of us here might believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but we're still wandering around in the desert. We're still wandering around, going around thinking, oh, I want this, but I know that Jesus is true. But I want to live this way. That doesn't work, Jubilee. You're either totally in or you're not. Jesus doesn't work part-time in our lives, you see. He doesn't do that. At the time of the election, uh, last elections, um, I even dared to use a political uh, phrase for it, a political term for it. Jesus doesn't do hung parliament. He just doesn't do that because it's not him. When you're sovereign king, come on. You're not going to share an office with somebody else, with somebody who's definitely, totally against you. So if you want Jesus, which I would definitely and highly recommend, and I would beg you to be with him every single step of your life. Want, want him for who he is and totally. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's all going to be great. It will be great, but it's not going to be to the eyes of the world. Now, to me, life is amazing. Life is great. Because, I mean, I've experienced what it's like not to live with Jesus, just like all of you who believe in Jesus. One day you were walking without him, but I've actually experienced the darkness of it, and I wouldn't for a second, think of not living with Jesus. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I get it right all the time. Uh, although sometimes I try to fight for it at home and say I get it right all the time. But it's not that way. However, to the eyes of the world, I'm a failure. To the eyes of many people around me, I'm just wasting my time. <laughs> Some family members think, what are you doing with your life? What are these sort of things that you say? They're old. It's ancient, just like your phone. It's 2,000 years old. Come on, there's new stuff in here. Where have you been? Have you not got internet? Now, it might be the same with you. Under the pressure of life, you'll give in to some of the new stuff, and then you miss out on the transformation. You can see how easy it is to come up with something that might make sense and then we can prove, yeah, the Bible says it, but it's not actually what the Bible says. Now, that was one of the things that my mother objected to when I became a Christian. Of course, just like everybody else in the family, she tried to tell me that I'm wrong, and then I was using the Bible 
to say, look, this is the truth about Jesus Christ. He's the, tell me about anyone else who is risen from the dead, um, and then I might believe in them. Of course, she couldn't think of anyone. And then the last thing she, was, she said was, oh, well, your Bible is corrupted. I said, well, um, I'm sure there's quite a lot of things to, to defend against that. Um, there's quite a lot of explanations, um, quite a lot of apologetics on it. Go and talk to Luke and Bobby at the end if you really want to know about this, about the, the historical facts in it. But I remember once I used this phrase, I said, if this corrupted Bible has transformed me like this, I wonder what the real one is going to do to me. <laughs> so, now obviously that didn't mean I said it was corrupted. <laughs> this is the true word of God. <laughs> but this can transform our lives. With the Spirit of God and rooted in the Bible, you will have transformed lives. Something that you would never want to look back. Something that even when everything seems like a desert around you, I know some of you like the idea because the sun is shining in there, but to some of our African and Middle Eastern guys, it's horrifying. If the sun is shining down on you, I mean that in a bad, as a bad sense, then you will never say, I wish I could go back to Egypt. Because you're transformed. That's why I think the Israelites were not transformed, because they could see the goodness of God and they still wanted to go back to slavery in Egypt. get our priorities right. Physical training is great. Paul's saying that. But if you're obsessed with physical training, if you're obsessed with going to the gym, if, even if that's jacuzzi, if that is our first priority, then again, we've got it wrong. Our first priority has got to be Jesus. Our first priority has got to be Him and His will for us. Just like Raj was saying as he was praying over Chris and Hannah. It was all pointing to Him. Jesus Christ. Our marriages, our children, everything around us has got to be about Jesus. Then you know that things will work out for the good of those who believe in him. Not the way that the world says. Now Paul is saying this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. But what saying? I mean, is this just this bit? Or is it the whole epistle? The whole Bible, I believe. <laughs> this is trustworthy. Accept it, guys. If you haven't accepted it, this transformed my life. It was the presence of God working in me. <laughs> if you don't believe in Him, come and get to know Him through this. It's not an ancient book. Of course, it is very old. But it's very relevant to you and I today. <laughs> it has changed the lives of many people. The lives of many who then have given their transformed lives to God for his purposes. It has changed the lives of many. Dig into it. Get to know Jesus for who he is, not for what the media tells you. Get to know Jesus for who he is, not the way that some people who've got him wrong tell you. Many people have gone astray by not reading this properly. But I want to encourage you, get into it. It's a book. But it's a book about God, breathed out by God himself. If you need to talk to us about it later, please do come and talk to us at the end. Once you give your life to him, you will never go back. How can you experience something? How can you have the chains falling off and then saying, no, I actually want them back? 
because I got used to them. They were good. They were scratching me here. They were good. I liked them. They wouldn't let me walk far distances. So I, I want to stay where I was because then that means a bit of exercise for me. I, I want to stay where I was. No. Once the chains fall off, that's it. And the giftings that God has given you will be used for His glory. Because you see, He gives us gifts for His glory. He's given us gifts for the edifying of the church, which at the end will result in the glory of God. So that when people talk about church, the church, with capital C, they know the God of the church and therefore give Him glory. Is this the sort of lifestyle that you want to follow, Jubilee? Is this the sort of transformation that you expect? Or you just, some of you are just happy to live your lives the way they are with God. I'm happy. I know Him. Not maybe through this or through some other ways. And I'd just rather walk that way. I can almost guarantee that you'll never face opposition because probably you'd agree with any sort of other teachings, any sort of other theological foundations that you're taught. But I want to encourage you. Take the risk. It's well worth it. Because you've got the King of Kings watching over you. The King of Kings going before you. The King of Kings sending his spirit on you. So why fear opposition? So why fear the peer pressure? Why fear the transformation? Not many people like change. Transformation does involve change. Sometimes you think, oh, if I come to get to know him, then I might have to change. That is true. But you're not on your own. <laughs> he will change you. He will transform you. Some of you might think, well, I've got this and I've got that, but I, can't, I don't feel that I'm released into them. I don't feel that I can do this and I don't feel I can do that. Then maybe you should go before him and ask him to release you into them. Because <laughs> our plans are great, and I'm all up for planning, if it's somebody else doing it, not me, because you don't want me to plan. But first and foremost is to go before God and say, God, how do you want me to do this? You've given me this gift, how do you want me to operate into it? You've given me this gift, how do you want me to be accountable to it? And if God's given you giftings, Jubilee, use them for his glory. It's an honor to be able to receive the gifts from God and then operate into them. So if he has given you gifts, which he has, operate into them. With humility, go before him and ask him how he wants you to do it. Um, it was great this morning. Um, Les came and asked if, um, if I was preaching. I said, yeah, and I was expecting him to walk out and say, um, right, I'm coming back next week. But he didn't. Um, he came and offered to pray for me, uh, which is a blessing. He often does that, and it's amazing. And one of the things that he was praying was, he said that as the word of God is being preached, there will be signs and wonders. And that got me thinking. And I just started praying and said, God, what are the signs and wonders for us today? What have you got for us today? And as I've just been praying about it throughout the worship and now, I just feel that God wants to release many of us here today. When we talk about being released, sometimes we think about things that are visible. Oh yes, let, I'm just going to be released from this particular illness or things that we know about. But there are things in our lives that we might not necessarily be 
aware of, or you just put them under the carpet. Let's forget about it for the moment. It's nothing important. Um, it's going to come up in two months' time, so that gives me eight weeks to deal with it. Um, and then you never do, because it's hidden. And I just feel that God wants to break the chains in our lives, the chains that are hidden, not necessarily to us, because sometimes we see them and we just hide them. God wants to release us from the chains that the enemy has put around us. Children of God, he never gives you chains. He gives you freedom. He gave his life for you and I to live in freedom. It was for freedom that we were set free. So if we are free in Jesus Christ, we need to continue living free lives. So I just believe that God wants to set us free. Uh, I also feel an urge to pray for healing. Nothing, no particular words. But I just feel an urge to pray about it. Because as the church, this is one of the things that we've got to be doing. This is one of the things that, it, that should be part of us, which is great at Jubilee. There's quite a lot of things in our DNA that I love. Not that there are things that I don't love. But I think that it'd be great to pray for healing with expectations. How many of you have seen healing while you were at Jubilee? Hands up, a show of hands. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Do you believe that God heals today? Amen. So therefore, we've got plenty of time. We want to, as Raj said, we want to pray for Chris and Hannah later with the kids coming in. But let's focus on Jesus. And I'm deliberately not asking the worship team to come up because I want them to be part of this as well because very often they miss out on it and they're at the back and they're serving really well. But I want them to be part of it. If you've got chains in your life, that now and again they come up. Come before God. He will release you today. All you need to do is just go before Him with a repentant heart. Go before Him, kneel down before the cross of Jesus, between you and Him, the King of Kings, who knows everything about your life anyway, because He made you. Go before Him and ask Him to set you free. If you need to be healed, whether that's physically or spiritually, then today is the moment. Today is the time. Because in faith, we're going to pray for you, and in faith, we're going to see healing. So be open to receiving healing and be open to seeing chains being broken in Jesus' name because there is power in his name. Are we up for it? So shall we all stand up? And if you'd like to receive prayer for these two things or anything else, can I ask you to come forward now? It really helps us with our timing and everything else. Ministry team, can I ask you to look around and pray for people as you see them, as they come forward. There's still plenty of time if you'd like to be prayed for. If there's anything else that you'd like to be prayed for, again, please do come forward. As the people of God, we have authority given to us by Jesus Christ himself. It's nothing about us. It's all about him. And all we're going to do is ask him to come and fill you with his presence and ask him to come and bring healing or break the chains or whatever it is that you have in your heart, the desire of your heart. So it's all about him. The King of Kings has sent his spirit here over us. Be a people of expectations. So if you'd like to be prayed for, please do come forward. On the sides, in the front, 
Ministry team, can I ask you to come forward now as well, please? And stop praying with people. Keep declaring the name of Jesus and expect transformation.